You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the lore edition, a podcast devoted to story-driven games. Here's your host, Joe. And welcome to Bow Down to Us, the Lore Edition, episode 63. My name's Joan. With me, as always, is Vince and oh, Roger. Oh, oh, oh. oh and oh, Roger oh. the Resplendent. <laughs> the, the, no, what? Do no. <laughs> <Two> over. <laughs> oh, no, that's I'd safe. be inclined we're, we're to believe. We are good. <laughs> we are good. We're, we're just going to roll with that one. Since Roger's switching his word power this week. <laughs> So, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Transition uh, into that. Absolutely, this Road is going to be the smoothest transition everywhere. Speaking of awkward turtles, here um, we've received word that a Back to the Future game is in production, and we're starting to get some really good screenshots. Uh, we're seeing from Gamer Feed here uh, a few screenshots of what looks to be like Doc Brown and Marty in the lab, uh, them at the site with the uh, the DeLorean and the DeLorean going 88 miles per hour, that super fast speed. Um, it actually looks really cool. Actually, uh, go ahead. I've actually been following this for a little while. I, mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys. It sounds like you're actually just picking up on this now. I've actually been following it for a little while. Um, Telltale. Okay. What's that? Take it away. Telltale store or Telltale games have been working on this for a little while now. We haven't gotten a ton of information about it, but what we have gotten has been very cool. And that's why when these shots came out, people were pretty excited because um, we'd been a little bit concerned in terms of what's the game going to look like. The, the apparently the voice acting is going to be spot on. They oh, actually yeah. got um Christopher Brown. Lloyd, yeah, they got him. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd. They got him for Doc Brown, and apparently the guy who is doing the uh, Marty is spot on for Michael J. Fox. So what's a gigawatt? It's 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 <laughs> the voice acting is going to be good. Now what they did is they're going with more of a cartoony feel for this. Which I like. I like that it's going to have more style and not be something that's they're trying too hard to make it look unbelievably accurate and all that. No, I want style. I want pizzazz. I want something that's got flash. I want to feel like the the DeLorean is awesome when it's when it's taken off, not because it's you know accurate to the nth degree, but just because it looks freaking awesome. And that's the whole spirit of the Back to the Future franchise as well, too. It's that 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 feeling of it's something awesome is happening kind of thing and just larger than itself. And they can do that with something that's more stylish than, you know, perfect. And so I, I really was quite happy. Like the, the game is actually, you can pre-order it now. And if you do, you get some bonuses. But the cool thing is, is that they're actually going to be giving money as well. They're going to make a contribution to uh, Michael J. Fox's foundation for Parkinson's. They're given a dollar from every pre-sale of the game. And, and that's huge considering that the game is actually not selling for a lot either. So it's it's that's a chunk of money from them that they're giving to this charity, which I think is, again, absolutely awesome. So, no, I am really looking forward to this game. It's going to be released in uh, five parts, which we also saw with some of the other games like the Tale from, Tales from Monkey Island. So 
this is something that you're going to be able to, again, short snippets played for a little while, finish one episode, and then there's going to be on a monthly basis, there's going to be five episodes. So, yeah, more power to them. I am very, very much looking forward to this game. I just yeah, like I, how expressive their faces are. Yeah. Now, I, I have a lot of faith in Telltale. I mean, come on, this is going to be a time traveling adventure game from a team of people formerly of LucasArts who have made recent updates to both Sam and Max and Monkey Island. And while a lot of companies have promised it, they're the first one to really deliver on the promise of episodic content on schedule. So yep. it really has me excited for the prospects for this game because it's freaking Back to the Future. Who doesn't love Back to the Future? Yeah, and they're taking it off. If I'm not mistaken, this takes off from... I, actually, I'm not mistaken. It's from after the third movie. So, that, that's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, yes, was crap. But, hey, let's just assume that this will be good. And, again, yeah, I like the fact that yeah, we can rely on them that every month something will come out. Because, they, again, they did it as well for the Tales of Monkey Island. So it's going to be cool to see this going on for a while and being able to enjoy these stories. And I think that's really cool, too, because it is that sort of staying power that that it has the potential to have that staying power. And it's, like you said, it's very cheap. I think the pre-order is what, twenty nine ninety five. Yeah. And they're iconic characters. That's the one thing yeah. I wanted to say as well, too. Like when you're looking at episodic content, it's something that have you have to care about the characters more so than the story, because there's going to be a variety of stories throughout kind of thing. So you really have to care about those characters to want to play the game. And the characters are so iconic to, to most of us, not, not everyone, um, but to, for most of us, it means something like to be able to play this game and to see again, Marty and Doc, that is just pure freaking awesome. <laughs> Well, and we're going to move right around from one awesome to what has also been a pretty awesome thing here. Uh, this past week, we had the shattering occur in World of Warcraft, uh, the reshaping of the entire world of Azeroth. Uh, Roger, I know you've been <laughs> putting some time into this one, so I'm going to let you take the floor for uh, for this one. What have, what have you been, What are your thoughts on it? What do you think about it? Okay, see... I'd, I, yeah, <laughs> that much exactly. exactly you know what it is it's that again we, we've said it before you and i have been playing since open beta that's a long long time to be playing a game within the same environment that that same world that you know so well i mean you know it inside and out for the most part and so we've talked about how shattering a concept it is to then walk into that world and see so many different things. Now for yourself and for anybody else who's been in the beta, you had that moment when you walked into the beta initially, but that's a while back now that's months. So for you now walking into the shattering, it doesn't have the same impact that it does for someone like myself who didn't get into the beta or for Vince. So when I walked in, it was like for you guys, that first moment where you walk in and it's like your jaw drops and you're like, Oh my God, look at this. And I, I knew that the portals were disappearing from Dalaran, but I decided that I, I wanted to explore. I mean, so many things changed. I didn't just want to port to Stormwind and then just kind of wander around Stormwind. Yes, it's changed a lot and it's cool, but no, I want to see the world and how it's changed. And so being a druid, I just headed to Moonglade 
And from there, I just flew to Darkshore because, again, as I've said, I like Darkshore and I know that Darkshore took one hell of a hit. So for me, it was interesting to see, okay, what happened? And I wanted to be on my mount on the ground. I want to see the changes from the ground, not flying over everything. I want to be a part of it. So and and I know it sounds cheesy and very RP ish, but it wasn't. It was just, again, one of those I've been in this world so bloody freaking long it means something. I want to see everything. So I rode down all the way down Darkshore. I I was amazed at the changes. The mm-hmm. freaking Malstorm thing vortex with the freaking cow being flown around there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made my way into Ashenville. And now what's cool too is that I am still reading The Shattering. Yes, you ruined a lot of it with your review of it, but that's cool. I, I forgive you. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm about halfway through The Shattering. And so a lot of the things that I'm seeing relate to the stuff that I'm presently reading in the book. Which is awesome. Which is freaking awesome. When you're when you're going through Ashenvale and you realize they're fighting over resources, and I just read about the horde skinning the freaking sentinels, and it's like, oh dude. <laughs> yeah, so it was I like the changes that I saw there as well. And then from there I headed down into the Barrens. And the top of the Barrens, not much has changed. But man, once you get to that battle scar, holy crap in hell. By the time I was at the battle scar and I'm looking at the battlements on either side, and you get the alliance on one side and the horde on the other. And I I literally was stopped there thinking, Oh my god, give me something to do. Give me a quest. Give me something. I <laughs> I want to be a part of this. And that hasn't happened in a bloody long time. So to me, it made me want to not just level an alt, but actually play an alt. And then from there, I headed down all the way into Thousand Needles, which is an awesome freaking vacation spot now. If you bring yourself a couple of freaking water balloon things to to, to put to, to lay wings. on, it was freaking cool. <laughs> and so I was like sea lion form. I'm swimming with the turtles, and it's like this is freaking cool. And I made my way to Shimmering Flats. That big freaking whale shark. Is that thing? Oh God, yes. Okay, because it it was dead <laughs> I when I got there. Thing. I was swimming around and it was dead, and I could see the name from Thousand Needles. I'm going, what the hell is that thing? So by the time I got there, I'm looking at it. It's monstrous, and I'm thinking, thank God it was dead. <laughs> I made it to the little floating goblin spot, which was really cool and well done. Headed to Gadget, and from there I actually took the flight so that I could make my way to Stormwind. But I mean every. Everything that I saw, and I still haven't seen everything, but everything I'd, I, I saw that night, because I was up quite late just running around, again, made me want to play the game and not just level and all through dungeons, but actually play, go out, see all these quests and be a part of it again. That's huge. That's huge. One of my coworkers, and I just want to interject here, you hit something right there. Um, we spend so much time in these worlds that they've they've become part of our gaming heritage at this point. I, I mean, we, there's really no other way to say it. My best, One of my best friends in the world, um, Dan, has had not had an active account for a year. He's been really looking forward to Cataclysm. He played through BC, he played through Wrath, but he heard about Cataclysm, what was going to happen, and he just kind of got drawn in, and he's like, Okay, yeah, this this is really awesome. I really want to see what happens because no other world compared to Vanilla WoW, you know, it didn't it didn't have that same sense of home. And he said the words, "Azeroth has my heart," you know. And this is a veteran gamer who has you know played and created 
a ton of games at this point, and he's still excited about it. He did not know that the shattering happened. And I told him today at work, I was like, yeah, you, you know, you missed out last week. You know, the shattering dropped down and, you know, I'm a dwarf shaman now and the world's all scarred. And he's like, fuck, I'm going home and reactivating my account. <laughs> So, I mean, it's it's kind of that that sort of powerful draw that this world has. And people don't realize that. I mean, it really is. It's this world that's been static for six years. And just like you said, that that moment of excitement, I know what you felt because I saw that and I felt that. So absolutely. What's really cool, too, is that I'm I'm actually very happy that. I, I I have been playing for the last couple of months um, because I've taken little breaks here and there, but I've been playing now for, well, a little while again. But I'm glad that I was playing over the, the last little while to be a part of those moments that have led up to it because those are gone now. So like I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday and he's back in the game again. And I was saying, did you do any of the lead up for the shattering? And he went, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But he'd been doing stuff in Northrend and just leveling up a tune. And I went, oh, dude, you could have been like the end is near guy going to different places. You could have. There was so much going on there. And they handled that so well. And it's gone. But again, it's one of those. Well, we were a part of it. We we did that leading up to it. And I'm. I'm I like that living world idea that, yes, the devs worked really long on this, but it's gone now. So if you didn't see it, it's gone. I like that. I want my game world to be alive. I'm well, curious, Vince, have you have you even played it yet? Well, God, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so while, while I haven't been playing for as long as you guys, I've still been playing since the game launched. Yeah, I wasn't a beta player, but I was a launch player. And I played for over five years after that. But for the last year plus, I mean, I've poked my head in every now and then. But I, I honestly haven't been playing World of Warcraft in over a year. It's just halfway through Wrath, it's just lost its momentum for me. I was like, okay, I've, I, I've done everything that I'm conceivably going to ever want to do in this game. And I started exploring other options, other options that didn't work out quite so well. <laughs> <laughs> so it, when Cataclysm was first announced, I was like, oh, flying in the old world, whatever, whoop-de-doo. But then once the lore elements started coming in, once I started hearing about, um, the clashes between Garrosh and Cairn, which also halfway through the shattering myself. Holy crap. <laughs> it, it's it's so great to see that the direct correlation of the lore with that novel and and playing the game. So, yeah, on Tuesday, I started playing again and I, I have to apologize for everyone. I'm actually the reason the servers came up late because the servers came up literally the minute I got home from work because I worked a long shift. <laughs> uh, did, Blizzard just didn't want me to miss out. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever, 630 uh, on Tuesday, I logged in and I created my awesome little dwarf shaman. <laughs> and it's just been so so nice to get, get back in and experience the game and it, experience it for new because let's face it, the, the dwarven lands didn't get rocked as hard by the shattering as some Thanks of the other kingdoms did. Yes, because dwarves are fucking awesome. <laughs> 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 However, it's still a completely different experience and it's those small little touches that really had me stopping and noticing. Like I stood there for a second and I was like, wow, when the cavern leading out of Anvilmar collapsed, like it was a tiny little change like that. Or when I saw the screenshot of poor old Blanche underneath the cart, <laughs> yeah, yeah, big whirlpools and, and, and 
insanity that that's one thing but it's the, the the things that you experience as you're playing through the game that have really made the difference here for me and that's such a nice experience to be able to see it not just see the changes but to experience the changes as well you know to to be fighting the dark iron dwarves on the freaking iron forge airstrip that's an awesome experience like yeah it's not only is it something that changed in the game visually but it has so much difference when you're actually playing through it uh the, the low level zones just have so much more flow to them now you're not running all over on, on stupid fetch quests and this and that they've designed it so well that there's a great progression through each zone and the story keeps advancing to the point where you're actively engaged in it and i can't wait to to roll another character and and see another side of the experience it's it's just for someone who has had little to no interest in the game for so long it, ask anybody at work. I, I haven't shut up about freaking World of Warcraft in a week now. Like, <laughs> like the guy that used to bug the hell out of me still talking about the game. Now he avoids me because he doesn't want to hear my crap. <laughs> like, it, it's 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 I, I'm so happy that they've delivered such an amazing experience in this expansion because I mean, go back and read some of the stuff I was writing a year ago. I was completely done with the game and now I can't imagine not playing it. I'm going to, one of the things that I really love about this now, yes, I got that, that awe and shock thing out of the way early because I was in the beta, but one of the things I didn't do in the beta was low level questing oh. and now, I didn't go back on Loader and do it because I was too busy trying to see what was going on out there. I love the fact that the shattering happened before Cataclysm because it gives me uh, a chance to go back and yeah. experience these quests before I go make my mad dash to try to be the server first 85 shaman. Um, but one of the coolest things that I thought about it was the tongue-in-cheek approach that some of these quests take to their old counterparts, ones the quests <laughs> that are no longer in the game, quests that people bitched about there's even an offhanded comment about van cleef i mean there, there's so many little tiny things at these lower levels that make the game completely new for somebody even like me who has spent so much time in this game world that it has taken up more time than my full-time job you know and as sad as that is to say but it's just there's so many new little things to experience and play with and and just enjoy that they did a fantastic job and it's going to just get better by the time you're listening to this podcast if you're downloading it it'll be a week until launch and at that time there's just going to be so much more flooding in with better like just bigger zones grander sweeping schemes and everything else and i will say that if you're a lower level character don't rush out of the old world don't oh no do the Western Plague Lands quests. Oh, Christ. There's a ton of them there now. Do do the Uther's Tomb Chain. For the love of God, do it. It is one of the greatest alliance quest chains in the game right now. It, it's just like little tiny things about it. Just I mean, it screams about the rest of the world, everything that's happened, and it drips with lore. The entire thing is ripe with story and everything from everywhere i mean there are story elements for dwarf warlocks there are story elements for dwarf mages there are story elements for dwarf shaman just justifying those three classes they have put so much story in behind them you know it, and not to mention troll druids things like that there's just so much going on right now it's it's just phenomenal they did a fantastic job 
Well, there's I, some I, some troll druid stuff too with the one that we did to get you your undead hawk. <laughs> oh, absolutely! And my, eagle, my, undead, my undead eagle named Jason Todd. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I actually have a question for you, Joe. Since you sure. were in the beta, and since I just read this part last night in uh, the Shattering novel, where King Magni gets turned into diamond, at some point, are we going to be able to go down to the heart of Ironforge and pay respects to the King of Awesome? No. However, uh, wait, 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 wait. However, uh, do you do you guys remember the old trick for dueling an iron forge? Yeah. Guess what works again? <laughs> okay. Just, just throwing that out there. You can you can go down there if you do the uh, the fear slash poly trick, and he's there. Interesting. So hmm. I have a feeling that they're going to open it up later because I think there's going to be a story element there. We've and been saying that for six years. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. There's, there's, a, there's, there's an actual reason to go down there now. And look, they, they yeah. put it into the story. But not only that, but I mean, I have a feeling, I mean, you're partway through the shattering. I don't want to ruin too much there, but I have a, a sneaking suspicion that it's going to deal heavily with Moira. So I, we'll see. We'll see oh, what happens there. Just to close off the wow segment, though, I got Skull. I got Skull. Finally. I know you did, you bastard. I got I'll Skull. After, I'll be logging in after the podcast, and hopefully he's up. Bastard. I got Skull. You know what was funny is that um, I've been using N- NPC Scan, the, the add-on, and I love it and hate it. I, I, I hate it because all, as soon as you see a hunter with that pet, it caches it. Mm-hmm. So then you have to delete your freaking cache manually. So if you don't do that every time, if you forget, then guess what? It's cached, and it's useless at that point. Um but I was in um, I was in Storm Peaks, and I just I have a macro to do a search for him, anyways. And so I was in Storm Peaks, obviously Storm Peaks, and NPC scan went off, but it was for one of the other rares that's that's there, and it was dead, anyways. But right near it, there he is, <laughs> and I just saw him, and it was like. What the, it's a moment of, what the hell? What, oh, my God, hurry up. <laughs> click, 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 click. Uh, hurry up. And then at that point, you're, you're fumbling. Which button? Oh, crap. What button? I made a macro just to tame him. Think I could remember to stay in it? No, no, no. I'm looking for the buttons. <laughs> I'm just hoping to hell there's no hunter nearby. And so, yeah, I got him, and it was like, I can finally leave Storm Peaks. Finally, after months. Very happy. Eight days to spare. Man, I, I don't care. I've got them. It's, I've got all my spirit beasts now. Ghost Crawler, you're next. You're on my hit list. Yeah, I'll be be farming up Gondria and Skull later, hopefully. Knock on wood. See if I'm lucky. And we got the Undead Eagle for yourself. I already have it as well. And I got I've got the, Ashtail. Yeah. And we both got Ashtail. And we both got the Ghost Wolf as well. So yes. yeah, folks, you wanna if you're a hunter, hit up the Playlands because right now there's some interesting creatures you can get there. And yeah, you can get that Ghost Wolf and you can get the Undead Eagle, which I gotta say, that sucker is so goddamn cool looking. Absolutely, especially when you have an undead hunter with the eagle pet. Oh, God, it just yeah. looks that much more ridiculous. It's awesome. It is awesome. Well, moving on from one awesome game, we're going to move away from WoW here and talk about another awesome game, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Now, Vince gave us his impressions last week about the multiplayer aspect and how different it is compared to other multiplayers that we've seen. I've been playing a a lot of this game in the story mode, and oh my God, does it start out with just an absolute kick in the teeth. Yeah. Now, if if you... don't want any spoilers and you haven't beaten Assassin's Creed 2, you may want to stop listening for just a few brief moments. Okay. At the end of Assassin's Creed 2, 
you beat the shit out of the Pope. You find out that the Pope is an agent of the Templars. Um, he's basically a bad guy. So assassins, good guys. Templars, bad guys. Who'd have thought it, right? So you kick the shit out of the Pope. You take his staff and you, you jam it into the ground and you open up the vault. What is the vault? It's a fucking supercomputer. Okay, it's a supercomputer in the middle of the fucking Vatican. You enter the Vatican in Renaissance get, Italy, in Renaissance Italy. Hold on. Hold on. Which is I'm going to talk about that in a second because there's an interesting correlation about this. So you, you get in there and there's a holographic projection of the goddess Minerva. Basically, it's the computer projecting itself before it shuts down. OK, the game ends. Game number well, the second part of Assassin's Creed 2, we're going to call this Assassin's Creed 2.5 because that's really what it is, starts out with you just finishing talking to the goddess, getting what's called your Apple of Eden, basically a little microcomputer that's in a ball form um, that is your personal like vault key or whatever. Um, it comes into play later on in the story. And then you leave the you're trying to escape the Vatican. You're you're basically running away from basically cardinals and pope like pope wannabes you get out you go back home everything's fine right you avenged your father's death you're at the villa the villa looks absolutely splendid because you spent all that damn money upgrading it in the second game and then what happens they create the cl uh, well and you get laid well we'll put that out there too um <laughs> Katarina. But, <laughs> but they fall into the classic hero sort of loop here and this made me a little angry because now you have everything you possibly wanted revenge absolutely amazing the beautiful woman absolutely amazing your home is safe your family's secure so what happens they blow it up that armor that you worked so hard to get doing all oh. those time trial runs at the in Assassin's Creed 2 yeah it's gone it just it just gets blown up and knocked on the floor and you don't have time to go grab it um it, it, they take everything away and start you back off at zero i have a problem with that with games when you've worked so hard when it's a direct continuation of the previous game at least throw me a fucking bone that's my one gripe with it that aside the story really draws you in really brings you into this whole you know you should have killed the pope why didn't you kill the pope the pope betrayed you to the templars he told them what happened they're coming to take you know take it out and then you watch your uncle get murdered and now your home's gone Wow. And you're you're pretty much up shit's creek, and now you're on this entire another revenge kick. You're looking for your six fingered man. So I'm about maybe a couple hours in, like just because I kept going back and making sure I don't miss anything. But oh my god, fantastic! Otherwise, aside from that little football. Hey. <laughs> the, the things I'm enjoying most about this game is first of all, I've always been a big fan of conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Not that I've put a lot of uh, belief into them, but I've always found them interesting to at least consider. I, I read Chariots of the Gods when I was 14 years old. So the whole Minerva supercomputer thing, that's right up my alley. I mean, I'm loving watching Ancient Aliens on History Channel right now. So there's a lot of cool stuff in there that, that really speaks to me and the stuff that I, I've enjoyed for so many years and you get into the whole Templar and, you know, all the pieces of Eden, be it Joan of Arc or Hitler or you name it. You know, it, it's a lot of really, really incredible stuff that I'm enjoying. It's a wonderfully deep storyline they've set up. But the thing that is putting Brotherhood beyond Assassin's Creed 2 for me is 
that Desmond has once again become a critical point in the story. He he was almost a non-factor in Assassin's Creed 2. He had, I think, three actual scenes in the game. The entire yeah, rest of the game, sequence, you were with, middle sequence and like somewhere. In, yeah, in the, 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 the entire game was Ezio, which is fine. Ezio is awesome. So, but I've always liked the the uh, juxtaposition of the modern world with the old world. It, that's when the first game like really struck the chord for me. It's like I played it. It was fun. But that last scene where Desmond gained the eagle vision and like he was becoming an assassin himself, that's when the game just exploded for me. And that's why, where my my love of this franchise has come from was that last scene in the first mm-hmm. game. So it's really really great at least for me that desmond is once again becoming a critical point in the story because i i feel that was the the biggest negative with assassin's creed 2 for me was that it shunted desmond off to the side so i'm very happy to see him be coming back to the forefront of the story well and i think a lot of people agree with you because the game sort of marks an evolution of the franchise really um you're moving at first it was altair was the shit he was the bee's knees and then desmond gets this little week at the end where his genetic code's starting to wake up and he's like, wow, I'm actually an assassin. Assassin's Creed 2 happens and Desmond's on the sidelines and, you know, it's all about Ezio. But at the end you start seeing, well, maybe Desmond will actually be worth something, you know? And then all of a sudden in Assassin's Creed 2.5, Desmond is like waking up and he's got all these, you know, he the one of the opening sequences is him diving off the perch <laughs> like Ezio into the into the hay and just the people that are with him like looking around dumbfounded like wow that was fucking cool and then he sits there and, he's, <laughs> and, and he has like the best line right at the beginning right there he's like yeah i don't know what that was it just felt natural you know and you, you start seeing this where he's like going from ledge to ledge he's starting to run up walls he's 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 starting to calculate things like the assassin and it's it's to me it's a progression of moving the story to now and i think that's where it's going to end yeah, I don't know it, about ending because they're talking well, about the next this, one next year. Yeah. Well, I don't mean ending. Like I just mean okay. this section of this chapter is going to end with it being pushed yeah, into the now. We'll, we'll, fi- we'll finally reach a resolution to Ezio's story arc. But they're also opening it maybe up Maybe not Desmond's, but at least Ezio's. But I think Desmond has the potential to maybe, you know, awaken other genetic ancestors after mm-hmm. Ezio. There, there could be a continuation of the story. And don't forget, I mean, the struggle is in modern day. The Templars under the, the guys that I can't remember the name of the organization almost Abstergo. have a complete thank you. Almost have a complete stranglehold on the entire world. Almost. So, yeah, how's that? I, I want to know how that's going to play out because I think it's going to end in modern day, the whole franchise. Yeah, but I hope it doesn't end anytime soon because there's yeah. way too much cool stuff going on. I'd well, be perfectly fine with like AC-12. I'm, I'm okay yeah. with this. They're already talking about the next one coming out next year. That's something actually that they talked about this week. Um, Ubisoft CEO was uh, was talking about it. They Actually, it was the, what was his name? Jeffrey Sarden, who's the chief of marketing and sales for Ubisoft, was talking about the CEO for Ubisoft, whose name is Eve uh, Gimmo. And he was saying that, uh, mentioned last week, that in our financials and more details are forthcoming. But what I can say is that next year we will have another big Assassin's Creed game, which would lead you to believe perhaps it will be three coming out. 
And I, I'm okay with that because look at what they've done in Brotherhood. They have basically made Brotherhood in 10 months, and that's including adding in the multiplayer component. So they, they have their graphics engine, which is gorgeous. You know, they can tweak it and kind of optimize it a bit. But that huge part of the development cycle is is good. I mean, they designed the entire game world of Brotherhood. They designed the story. They did the voice acting, the animations, everything in 10 months. So and the quality is there. It's definitely not a rush job. I mean, sure, they've pulled teams off other projects beyond good and evil, too. Sorry, you're not going to happen until they're done with Assassin's Creed. But if Ubisoft can turn out this level of quality, Okay, now Ubisoft has definitely made this mistake in years past with Splinter Cell and some of the other Tom Clancy franchises, as well as uh, Prince of Persia, of just running them into the ground by doing too much too soon. But judging by the quality of Brotherhood, I'm okay with this one. I, I think they've hit their pacing. Uh, and I'm okay with another game coming out next year because it's going to probably come out at a point where I'm salivating for the continuation of the story. Now, I may be a little bit biased on here because I'm a history nerd. I mean, that that's that was one of my majors in college. And to see these this time frame be brought to the future, these things that happened, you know, in the, these time frames that I studied, you know, the Renaissance, the Crusades, things like that. And to see them take such painstaking you know, attention to the painstaking details here, you know, these little tiny things, these these little reactions uh, of NPCs that are named characters from history, but not just that, the architecture, the way that things are built, the cobblestones, you know, I was also an architecture major. So stuff like this really sings to me because yeah. it's it's a complete world. It's not just a video game. It's not just a good video game. It's a complete world. And they're pacing themselves where the story is continuing on. It's it's awesome. You know, and, and I'm really excited about that. Now, story mode's not the only thing that's going to be getting some attention with a continuation and, and possibly the Assassin's Creed 3 here. Multiplayer, which is absolutely amazing, is also getting a little love. On December 14th, we're going to be getting the Animus Project Update 1.0 for free. Um, that's right, folks. We're getting some free stuff for the multiplayer. A completely new challenge mode that focuses more on stealth, and more difficult target identification, uh, which is advanced alliance mode. Um, it also gives a new map that's absolutely gorgeous. It just looks phenomenal, and it's nice to see that they're giving multiplayer players some love. Yeah. Uh, first of all, shouldn't this be, be called Animus Project Update 1.1? I thought we were already on 1.0, but <laughs> let's not get into that. Um, but... It's cool because of the three game modes, Wanted, Manhunt, and Alliance, right now Alliance is my least favorite of the three. So them expanding upon that concept, I'm, I'm okay with because what Reddit, what it is now, Alliance is three teams of two. Team yep. A hunts Team B, Team B hunts Team C, etc. So there, it basically just comes down to a running slash fest. It doesn't have a lot of the elements of the other multiplayer modes. So however they're they're going about it, I, I'm interested to see how they're going to pull it off because right now, like Manhunt is just the most fun thing I've ever done in my life, and Wanted is fun as well. But whenever Alliance pops up, it's like, eh, okay, I'll get some points and, and we'll move on. So I, for free, bring it. Yep. Especially, have you seen that map? My God, yes. I think it's awesome. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. And 
You mentioned that you, you, you loved architecture and history. Did you know that in Brotherhood you can actually scale the Coliseum? Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, though, though, I will find a way to take screenshots off the 360. <laughs> so we're going to move along from another from awesome titles that are going to be coming out, like the new Assassin's Creed title and the new DLC, uh, to another game that's coming out that hasn't really been getting a whole lot of attention lately, but it's something I've been watching very closely. Dead Space 2. Mm. Dead, Dead Space 2 is getting some much needed love in the, the department of main character. In the first game, Isaac was very bland. He was there because he was told to be there. He took orders. He was very much the maintenance type soldier guy. He would just was there. Now we're starting to see Isaac gets a personality. In Dead Space 2, Isaac will have a voice. There will be a plot that revolves directly around him. They said flat out in this in this video with the, uh, I can't remember what his name is. Um, he's like lead designer or lead uh, developer for the, for the unit. He just he literally blows me away by the fact that he sits there and says flat out, we wanted to make him more of a character that you could get behind, that you could feel was a human that you could actually care about. And how do you do that? Giving him lines, giving him a story, giving him a reason for being there other than the fact that he was just told to be there. And that makes me happy. I, it, it's so funny because prior to this podcast, I'd forgotten about Dead Space 2. Between Castlevania and, and Assassin's Creed and all the other stuff that's been going on lately, I've completely forgot about this game, which is sad because it's really one of my most anticipated games now that I've remembered it. Because <laughs> I, I loved the first one. It was really a, a surprise hit for me. I I just, I I'm a little... Uh, not quite sold on on the whole characterization of Isaac, and it has nothing to do with you know story or whatnot. I mean, obviously, you have to, if you're gonna have a main character, he has to be a character. But the thing that really was so gripping about the first Dead Space for me was the feeling of isolation. You were on your fucking own against a spaceship full of just insanity. <laughs> so giving Isaac that little lifeline of just being able to talk to other people. If it's handled well, okay, but it's gonna it's gonna break up that that isolationist feeling that was so gripping about the first one for me, and I'm okay with it. I'm I'm just a little concerned about it. The, I just hope that they don't have you know when you die that they scream snake over the comm link and I'll be fine. <laughs> God, I am so putting that freaking comic. <laughs> I'm splicing it right. Here. <laughs> this is a wee game. Ooh, I'm stroking a pony. That's a wee game, right? Ooh, I'm feeding sugar cubes to a unicorn. It's going to poo out rainbows that I can paint onto Mario's house. That's not gaming. This is gaming. Oh my God, I'm in a gun battle. Which one of these isn't crouch? Every game involves crouching. You're always behind a little wall or you're behind an oil barrel. You're always crouching. But they put the crouch button in different places on different games. And you get panicked in the middle of a space marine laser battle and you're just pressing any button at all. And before you know it, your soldier is just waddling around the battlefield. <laughs> just looking up at you, going, press anything, anything, not toggle maps. <laughs> There's a game called Metal Gear Solid, and you play a character called Snake, 
And when Snake dies, the camera pulls cinematically up from him, and the man that Snake has been speaking to on his comms unit goes, Snake, Snake, Snake! Every time he dies. <laughs> when I play as Snake, he dies a lot. But the man's sadness seems undiminished by the regularity with which he has to mourn Snake. You think once or twice he'd just go, ah, Snake. <laughs> you think there'd be some sort of debriefing session where they go, Jesus, Mick, you're very fucked off about the death of Snake, weren't you? <laughs> well, he's one of the best agents we've ever had. He was not Mick. We've looked back over the mission logs. His behaviour in the field was erratic at best. He spent most of his time just waddling around the battlefield for no fucking reason. He'd just be waddling into corners, he didn't know where to go. He'd be toggling maps, then weapons, then items, then items and weapons and maps. He tried to put his maps into his items and his weapons into his items. Then he had to get behind that, he couldn't get behind it, he kept running at it. He kept running at it repeatedly. He ran at it once, he missed it, he had to run around again in a little circle. He tried jumping at it, tried jumping at it. Then he tried touching it, touching it, then jump and touch. Jump and touch, jump crouch and touch, jump crouch and touch. Then he looked up, then he hit her head with a crowbar, then he looked down, then he dropped the crowbar, picked up the crowbar. Weapons, items, items, weapons, items, weapons, weapons, items, crouch, not crouch, crouch, not crouch, crouch, not crouch, crouch, not crouch, weapons, items, crouch, 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 crouch. Then a robot attacked him, he gave him his fucking rations. The worst agent we've ever had. Some routines have a natural finale, a punchline. Others just end when the comedian gets exhausted, <laughs> jumping at an imaginary piece of video game scenery. And into, well aware that maybe 25, 30% of the people in this room have spent the last five minutes going, jump, crouch, touch, what was he talking about? <laughs> the man's a fucking idiot. It's not even making sense anymore. It's just, sometimes in that routine, you can see a big group of young people, they're ducking, ah, and then like a meerkat. There'll be a middle-aged person going, what the fuck are you all laughing at? Mad, you're off your head, jump, crouch, touch. Is this supposed to be comedy? Is this what passes for comedy? <laughs> I know I get angry myself. So, moving from one awesome sequel to what could potentially be another awesome sequel, maybe, maybe, don't know, maybe Elder Scrolls it, 5 will be a direct sequel to Oblivion. Now, I'm Roger, you want to take this one? There's really not that much to say at this point here because, again, it's all still we haven't been given that much information yet. Most of their attention has been, of course, been put onto Fallout, and I mean, justifiably, they're doing very well with it right now, despite the bugs. <laughs> but um, it's been a while now since Oblivion, really, it's it's let's get working on that IP. The Elder Scrolls IP is still a very popular one as well. So I would really, I'm, I loved Morrowind and I did like Oblivion. Certainly Oblivion had certain flaws that I wasn't crazy about, but I still enjoyed the crap out of it. And especially some of the, the quest chains, man, I had a blast with them. So to, to, to know that Elder Scrolls V will be a direct sequel to, to Oblivion is cool. I like that. I like that that world that I did get very, very involved with is going to continue. That's well, it's the same as what we're feeling with Bioware games right now. It's important. I it, we may not be able to import, say, our safe games, but at least there's going to be some modicum of continuity in that world that we can appreciate. So I again I loved 
I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Elder Scrolls IP, so I can't wait for them to do some more work. The only thing that I'm hoping is that there's another graphics engine that gets put into place <laughs> that can render people better if they can work on that uh, they've got me for sure because obviously even with oblivion they had amazing voice talent there i mean patrick stewart again give me something else that has powerful voice acting as well that has awesome graphics and the epic stories that they've been doing throughout oh dude i i even just the hint of this had me excited I really got nothing on it. I will be perfectly honest. I've never really been that big into the Elder Scrolls series. Um, so I kind of fell off when Oblivion. I didn't really play it through. So I'll be interested to see if they do something that will draw me in. Uh, I will be. I'll be honest here. It was really the graphics and the type of game that threw me off about it. Because at this late in the game, they were still using an old school, old school ish engine. Um, I'd like to see an update. I'd like to see something with epic, grand sweeping um, visuals to accompany a story. And I'll be willing to give it a shot. So we'll see. I'm I'm kind of there, but not there yet. And just just due to lack of overall playtime, I've just kind of had to step away from all the open world games, uh, Fallout oblivion what have you so I, i'm sure it, it would be very interesting to see but it, it just like joe it it doesn't hold a lot of uh, interest for me right now now that said there are a lot of interesting things that we are speculating that are going to be coming out soon um recently another trailer for the uh the spike video game awards was out and it's another teaser trailer of all new reveals right the video that's available, uh, you can see it. Uh, it's on IGN.com and all their various websites and SpikeTV.com as well. Um, there's a lot of talk about this one. And there's a reason why there's a lot of talk about this one. First of all, we're getting scenes from familiar characters that we haven't seen these scenes before. The newest teaser trailer has something that looks like an Alan Wake, um, basically in a scene that him looking up, scared and like it's almost like a refreshed renewed sort of terror um, that we haven't seen in any of the games or the dlc yet um, mass effect 3 is in there uh, new dragon age of course is going to be in there i mean that's that's everybody's talking about it at least to some extent love it or hate it um, there looks like to be there's going to be another extension of halo and possibly of god of war because there are two scenes in there from both of those characters that have never been seen and not just you know we're talking about uh, the characters from Reach. I'm talking like Master Chief. So I'm kind of interested to see what those are going to be going on. But the big two talks right now, the big things that everybody are focusing on. Number one, Jim Rayner makes an appearance in this trailer. Jim Rayner makes his appearance in a trailer in a scene that was not in the original StarCraft II cutscenes. It's not on any of the DVDs. It's not on any of the production material. But he's there in his in his full armor blasting away at full auto a lot of people are speculating that blizzard will actually make an announcement on the next installment of the game at the video game awards possible maybe the other one that everybody's talking about is the possibility of a new resident evil why we're starting to see little snippets of you know the main characters that we've all grown to love and mutants and zombies in scenes we haven't seen before so a lot of people are getting really excited about this I mean, what do you guys think are going to be the big reveals? What do you guys think we're going to see at the uh, the Spike Video Game Awards? 
on December 14th, I think it is. All right. Well, I'll, I'll start. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, of course, whatever Bioware has up the sleeves, presumably Mass Effect 3, that, that's definitely, you know, uh, we're going to be talking an awful lot about Mass Effect 2, I have a feeling, in about a month. So Mass Effect 3 is definitely something that's going to hold a lot of interest here. Um, definitely whatever's going on with StarCraft. I hell, oh, hell, Jimmy, you got people talking about you now. Uh, <laughs> It, 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 but I mean, aside from that, Halo, uh, especially with Bungie no longer involved, whatever. God of War, I gave up on that two games ago. It, it Resident Evil, I've never liked Resident Evil, but definitely, definitely looking forward to something from Bioware and Blizzard here. It's on the 11th, by the way, just so that uh, we get the right date for everybody. Um, the obviously Mass Effect 3. That to me is I, I want to know a lot more about it, <laughs> not just a little brief teaser about it. I, I really would like to know a lot more about it because I really, really did not hide how much I loved Mass Effect 2 and uh, and how much I've loved Mass Effect. So if they can build upon that and really deliver a solid close to that trilogy, man, I that's what's got me really excited. And also this, the, again, whether or not this is prototype 2. If it is in fact prototype 2, that's probably the next biggest thing for me that I would be very excited about. Just because of how much I like the first one and just because of the confidence that I have in that IP, that world of what they can do with it. I mean, again, we all write, so you guys understand what I'm saying. When you're seeing a, a, a game world, that is ripe with possibilities that your imagination's going wild thinking of all the little short stories you could write about various characters various settings different things that's what i get like when i am playing prototype so i see possibilities and if they can pull that off with a prototype too that would be awesome especially if they can hang on to the incredible gameplay that was in the original two things that i would love to see personally and i don't know if we're going to i really do want to see a new resident evil game here's the reason why there's this new thing sweeping all survival horror games right now rebooting the the, the entire series i think it's about time that the thing did get rebooted you know why Number one was awesome. Resident Evil Zero was also good and scary because there was no fucking storage chests. But everything else just kind of got way too combat oriented as the game progressed. There was no fear anymore. You know, I would love to see that fear injected into a modern engine Resident Evil game. We've already seen that it can happen. Left 4 Dead 2. Left 4 Dead 2, it's a scary damn game. You have a lot of ammunition. You have a lot of abilities to survive. You have friends you can rely on, and it's still scary as shit. And we see a lot of these zombie games that are coming out that, that they are. They're absolutely terrifying. I'd love to see Resident Evil get that sort of reboot that we saw with another game that I hope comes out, another Silent Hill. Silent Hill Shattered Memories rebooted the entire system and brought it back to its non-combat, very fear, very puzzle-oriented roots. I would love to see that also make another appearance. It's been too long since I've heard anything about plans for another Silent Hill game. Eh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Just, those are just, like I said, I've never liked Resident Evil. And Silent Hill is just something that ha has the quality has dipped so far in, in the intervening years since, you know, Silent Hill 2 that 
and even if they come out with a new game and even if it is phenomenal, it's just one of those things I'm going to have a hard time caring about again. That's exactly it right there. Well, and a lot of people said that about Silent Hill, but after it got its reboot, a lot of people really got back into it, myself included. And I had written, I had completely written the series off after The Room. <laughs> so, and, and that's the thing, too. It has to be done. It has to be so unbelievably powerful. That reboot has to be so good to win back the people who have given up on the IP. Because it's a lot harder to win somebody back than to get somebody fresh. Because the people who've given up are even less likely to be reading reviews on it as it's coming out. And it's just one of those, they see the name and they just don't care. Whereas somebody brand new, you can win those over with shiny graphics and the, the, the allure of, you know, whatever is hip at the time yes i said hip but for for those of us who again have given up i mean i haven't played a silent hill in a long time i've pretty much given up on it and yes i've heard some of them oh you should try this one it's really good you know what yeah i've i've kind of given up on it so they have to make it that it is that unbelievable that people are saying no no you don't understand you have to play this then you'll win me back yeah, I, that that's perfect, and I, I'm going to use Resident Evil as an example to, to expand upon that. I played the first three Resident Evil games. I didn't enjoy any of them, but I played them because everybody's <laughs> like, "Oh, they're great games. You got to play them." I'm like, okay, I you know, even back even back when it first came out, I'm playing Resident Evil. I'm like, this game controls like shit. Like, <laughs> I just could not get into the actual gameplay of the game, and I I, I wasn't even remotely startled at any point in the game, let alone scared. But so fast forward a few years, Resident Evil 4 comes out. It's giving getting glowing reviews. I have every friend I know telling me I have to play the game. So I play the game and I'm playing it. I'm going, wow, this is a really, really good game. But I don't give a shit. <laughs> so so that that that's what a new Silent Hill or, or anything else would be for me. Again, even the even if it is the greatest game ever made, it's going to be, wow, this is really good. But I don't give a shit. Well, and I think you guys may be right. And hopefully that those franchises may get that reboot. If not, oh, well, no big loss for you guys there. But I am looking forward to them. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully we get some good reveals in the, the next few weeks and uh, hopefully it'll be enough to tear us away from staring at cataclysm. <laughs> nah. Good luck. <laughs> so with that, I think we're going to call it an evening. Uh, thank everybody for coming out. Be sure to stop by uh, bowdowntous.com and stop by our forums. Tell us what you think about vi various video games of your choice. And if you download us from iTunes, please leave us a review. Give us some stars. Say some kind words. We enjoy it. It makes Vince feel better at night. Your mom makes me feel better at night. Roger's still doing his little file swap. Not a little file swap. That's condescending. <laughs> it's a big file. Oh, it's big. It's got a lot of girth. <sighs> I'm just saying. Compared to those of us that actually do some work. <laughs> not, not even a reply. Wow. Yeah. I think you got him. Yeah. <laughs> 
Just waiting for him to say the recording's good to go and we can start. We're no longer in speaking terms. I believe you have, you have angered the, the, the giant. Oh, and I had a, Vince, I had you can a, tell that person that we're good to go whenever. I, I had a really, really, really good title for you. Oh, you're, now, now, now that you insult me and call me a lazy bastard that doesn't work. Yeah, now's a good time to, to give me a good title. Yeah, yeah, I have faith in you. <laughs> All right. Somebody actually bought me uh, Ragnaros. Um, yes, I know. And uh, she's absolutely awesome, and I want to thank her. Um, <laughs> I'll thank her again a million times. But I know, shoot. That's it, why I didn't say anything. I bit my tongue when you were saying you were going to buy it. I was going to say, don't do it, dude. But I didn't say anything because she was asking for your email address. And I was saying, just send it to admin at bowdowntous.com. I'll make sure she gets it. And she, uh, she, she messages back saying, okay. And I was like, no, don't do it. Don't trust me. Are you kidding? Have, have we met? And I said, no, I'll keep it. Don't, don't send it to me. S A M O D. You know, my son was like, "Who's Sam Odian?" <laughs> Don't ask. It's a very strange man. If you ever meet him on the street, run the other way. <laughs> nice. <laughs>